الجزيرة بودكاست Now, France is officially ending its Operation Barkhane military mission in Africa's Sahel region. Its soldiers have fought armed groups in that area for nine years. What's it achieved and what options are left now for maintaining regional security? I'm Nastasia Tay and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze and help define major global stories. Oh, well, let's now bring in our guests. From Dakar, we have Jean-Hervé Jezekel. He is the Sahel Project Director at International Crisis Group. From Paris, Niagale Bagayoko. She's the chair of the African Security Sector Network. And from Lagos, Nigeria, Chukwemeka Eze. He's the executive director of the West African Network for Peacebuilding. A warm welcome to you all, and thank you for joining us on Inside Story today. Uh, Jean-Hervé, I'll start with you. I want to understand what the end of Operation Barkhane actually means in practical terms, because we know that these 3,000 troops will remain on the ground. So is this really just a, a shift in terms of engagement here? Well, it actually means the end of a, of a regional strategy to, to, to stabilize the, the Central Sahel region, meaning mostly Mali, Burkina Faso, and, and Niger. Um, you know, in the last decade, France has been leading, you know, a, a broad, regional, international supported strategy to stabilize the region. And, and Barkhane was really at the center of this uh, effort. Um, with uh, uh, the French troops uh, withdrawing from Mali, the central component of this regional stabilization, then the regional stabilization strategy doesn't make sense anymore. So what ended yesterday, officially at least, is, is this, uh, this regional attempt that has been deployed in the region for the last decade. What remained on the ground is still a lot of soldiers, uh, a lot of, of course, uh, French soldiers, but, but also uh, in Mali itself, for instance, still um, uh, a small force of European uh, soldiers, especially at EUTM, uh, an EU-led uh, training mission, and also the, the, the MINUSMA, the UN Stabilization Force. So it's, it's, a, it's an important decision, but still in a, in, a, in a region where you have thousands and thousands of foreign troops involved uh, and, and, and trying to contain the, the, the expansion of, of violence. Uh, Niagale, I'm curious how much you believe, as you're sitting in Paris, this is driven by domestic French considerations. I know there were French deaths as part of the mission, some 55 deaths, and this is obviously part of a, a broader strategic military review. Uh, Macron has tried to couch this as more of a pivot back to Europe, especially within the context of the war in Ukraine. Does it go beyond that? No. Uh, in my view, it has no direct link with the internal uh, political situation in France, where, you know, uh, public opinion generally has not lots of interest in uh, international uh, policy, foreign affairs and uh, military uh, interventions. Um, I don't think neither is that uh, it has any uh, links with uh, the uh, current engagement, engagement of France uh, in uh, Ukraine. Uh, uh, even if it's true that uh, uh, today France has decided to review its uh, strategic uh, position with uh, an growing involvement in so-called conventional conflict. But no, in my view, uh, this uh, retreat uh, and this end, uh, formal end of uh, Operation Barkhane, 
is linked to the very limited uh, success and more uh, importantly to the rejection and to the resentment which has been growing increasingly among public opinions uh, in uh, Sahel and more generally West African countries. Well, Chukwemeka, let me ask you then, in the region, is this being regarded as a, a kind of tacit acknowledgement of the failures here? Well, I think um, it depends on um, who is providing the response. Perhaps if you ask the, the French government, they might think they have uh, made an impact uh, within the period that uh, their presence has been felt in Mali. But uh, others would argue seriously that this is a failure, because if you uh, came with intention to stabilize Mali and, by extension, the entire Sahel region, then the question would be how much of the stabilization have taken place, and especially happening at a time that the resentment against the French government in, in Mali and in most other states in the Sahel is increasing. You know, but I think also that it's important that we put all these bits and pieces together, which, of course, includes the fact that the French government might have taken that decision, first of all, based on current Russia-Ukraine war, on the basis of the role of the Russia, and how Russia is also now becoming the new friend of the Malians and even the, the, mm. the government of Burkina Faso. So all this is important. So in taking that decision that has been taken by the French government, I am sure that such considerations were made. And again, the economic interest with, between the two countries have reduced drastically. And a lot of people are aware that some of the uh, 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 political economy of this crisis is also something to do with the benefits either from uh, uh, French government uh, mm. to uh, Mali or even from Mali to the French government. Uh, well, as Niagale was saying there, we have seen this very dramatic escalation of anti-French public sentiment. I, I want to listen to some of the reaction we heard in Niger after Macron's announcement. Let's take a listen. We have said in black and white that we do not need the presence of the French Barkhan force in Niger because it's a force that's at the root of terrorism in Sahel, it's at the root of the problem, it cannot be a solution and responsible for the problem. Having a new name, a new operation in the Sahel, it doesn't change anything. For us, it's still the same soldiers who are there. Until now, we have not had convincing results. When they left northern Mali, a part of these Bakan elements came to Niger, since Niger requested their support. Since then, some of these elements have been working together with local armed forces and they're doing a remarkable job on the ground. So we have some mixed reaction there. jean Hervé, do you feel that this is reflective of public sentiment on the ground and why was so little achieved? Yeah, I mean, yes, it is definitely uh, reflecting uh, uh, what is going on on the ground. Um, there is a strong uh, anti-French uh, government feeling uh, that has developed. It's not new. It has, it has developed in the last few years. It has deteriorated uh, recently uh, as, it, as you know, this sentiment has interfered with uh, a political uh, turmoil. Uh, in, in, in Niger, but also in, in Bamako and in, in Ouagadou. Um, why, you know, French were not able to, to, to achieve more? I think that it really is a complicated uh, uh, 
a story, but I think to, to put it in a nutshell, I think that they invested too much in the military answer and they were not able to do things. You know, first of all, they were not able to really um, include other partners as equal partners. You know, and I think that a science state never, you know, uh, felt themselves as equal partners defining all the objectives uh, to stabilize the region. And second, I think that uh, France, but also all the other actors involved in trying to stabilize you know, the, the whole region, never managed to have a, a well-balanced strategy. And by well-balanced, I mean that um, military answers, military operation, counterterrorism always came first and, and predominate, predominated over all other uh, objectives. And, and what the French failed, but they were not the only one to fail in that, in that, in that regard, you know, that they failed to kind of come with a, with a more political ambition for the region. And, and, and I think that they always, you know, failed to subordinate, you know, military operation to this broader uh, uh, political uh, uh, ambition. And by political ambition, what we mean sometimes is also the opening of political dialogues with insurgents, and sometimes also with Chinese insurgents. Of course, there are lots of different complex drivers in that region. But let me bring in Chukwameka here, because I understand your organization is part of a civil society coalition that's really been calling for more coherent grassroots action and has also been very critical of prioritizing a military solution. So let me ask you, what would you like to see done differently now? I think the first thing to do is to take a pause. With all the military investments, all the investments that have been made in not just Mali, but in the entire Sahel region, what kind of results do we have? Is it not time to begin to invest in skills and the entrepreneurial skills of the citizens with the aim that we are dealing with human security, not just hardcore security? Because this is what has happened over the years. It has weakened the internal military. It has weakened the regional influence the ECOWAS influence in the region, it has weakened the African Union influence on the, in the region, and it has further weakened this, the coping mechanisms of the citizens. So why make such huge investment only just focusing on hardcore security? When there are fundamental issues, when there are structural issues that need to be addressed, which is investing in the human beings, in the citizens of the state, a lot of people feel that the economy of the Sahel region is now dependent on foreign aid. And people are no longer even confident in themselves to do anything. So we want to see a situation where there should be more of dialogue, more of soft approach, security approach to this, more of dialogue, more of investment in the human capital so that people can have skills that can now remove them from crime and begin to focus on livelihoods. Okay, let me bring in the Agale here, because as we've been saying, lots of different issues at play. This isn't just about religion or politics or resources. Uh, can you break it down for us? What's driving recruitment in particular for some of these groups? 
There are different kind of factors, but so what is uh, very important is uh, to uh, realize the fact that uh, even if initially uh, those uh, jihadi groups were coming from uh, uh, abroad, especially from uh, uh, Algeria, uh, they have changed and uh, they have been much and more uh, rooted uh, in a local uh, environment. No, uh, the most uh, important movement, be they affiliated to al-Qaeda or uh, to the Islamic State are headed or compounded of uh, local uh, combatants. And uh, they do have uh, lots of uh, strong uh, linkages uh, with local communities uh, and uh, local uh, networks. Uh, it is also important uh, to uh, look at uh, their transnational uh, ability uh, to shift uh, from an area to uh, another one. Mm -hmm. uh, of of course, you can find a number of economic reasons. Uh, Sahel region is one of the poorest uh, in the world, uh, but you also do have uh, ideological um, matter uh, of uh, adherence. Uh, what is important is not to consider all those groups only uh, as a violent extremists. Uh, it is also important to uh, look and to take into consideration their political agenda because they are also definitely political actors, mm. even if it is much more easy uh, to uh, identify political claims uh, from al-Qaeda-affiliated groups rather than to those which are affiliated to uh, the Islamic State. Well, speaking of political agendas, just taking a step back, it does seem that the Kremlin, for instance, is very eager to step into the space that's been left by the French. Um, we certainly saw that, obviously, in Mali after the French pulled out. Uh, Jean Hervé, can I ask you, what, a, what kind of a difference has that made? To be honest, you know, the, um, when the French uh, retreated from, from Mali, um, some officers uh, from France, you know, and, and others uh, were thinking that the, the country will, will quickly, uh, will quickly uh, collapse. This, uh, this did not happen. Um, I think that the the Malian uh, uh, army, uh, with also the support of, uh, of uh, Russian, probably Russian mercenaries, you know, um, were able to maintain some form of presence and even to organize uh, uh, a wave of new offensives uh, in the beginning of the year. Um, this being said, you know, uh, the situation remained extremely difficult for Malian authorities. I'm not arguing that you know the situation is getting better because of the presence of, of uh, Russian assistance in in uh, in Mali. I'm just uh, I'm simply stressing the fact that uh, the withdrawing of, of the French did not lead to the collapse that some expected. Hmm. Uh, so the situation is still uh, extremely uh, worrying. Uh, and 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 something also that is interesting is that there is also a form of continuity you know, between the time of the French, if you want, and the time of the Russian. In both cases, uh, the government of Mali is heavily invested in, in a military uh, answer to the insurgency. And that's, uh, that's not going to help. If you, uh, I don't believe that uh, the Russian will succeed where the French have, have failed. In a way, there is no real military answer or not, you know, a, a predominantly military answer to this, uh, to this crisis. Uh 
Well, we, we did see Russian flags, yeah. I recall, being waved around during the coup in Burkina Faso, not only by protesters, but also by soldiers. And then in Indomina, we also saw some protesters waving Russian flags just uh, a few months ago. There's been speculation about misinformation campaigns by Moscow. Uh, Chukwemeka, I'm curious, do you feel that for people on the ground, particularly in rural communities, are the Russians viewed differently from the French? I mean, ultimately, this is, as Jean Hervé was alluding to there, this is still just men with guns. I think it's a precarious situation. You remember the old cliche about the devil I know is better than the angel I don't know. You know, so it's a precarious situation. If you go to some of these states in the Sahel, the question they are asking, including their citizens, is this relationship with the French, what has it fetched us? You know, to the extent that post-colonial period, our currency, our economy is still determined by what takes place in Paris. So they are asking those questions, and they are genuine questions, to be very honest. However, we do not even know the details of the new friendship being cultivated with Russia. So that is even a major problem. And the more these external factors continue to influence the peace and security architecture in not just the Sahel region, but also in the West African region, the more and more the security, the internal coping mechanisms and resilience of the citizens and the states in the Sahel region will continue to be lacking in confidence and the ability to stand on this one. So now you are asking a critical question. So what happens post the, the French uh, 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 government uh, 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 presence? What happens? The, the Malian army, for example, does not have the wherewithal to now step in because there is no investment, deliberate investment in them to step in post this intervention. So that's a huge problem. Well, we do now have the military in charge in both Mali and Burkina Faso. I'm wondering how much French military failures here actually contributed to regime change or, or the sentiment for that to actually take place. And Niagale, do you think that it did? And could we potentially see more in Chad and Niger, for instance? I think here it is very important to make a difference between the different countries. Uh, for sure, uh, what happened in Chad uh, after the death of uh, Maréchal Idriss Debitno uh, has been um, uh, with the French position, which immediately recognized the military committee uh, headed by uh, the uh, son of uh, the late uh, leader, uh, has been a factor uh, which has contributed to institutionalize and legitimize uh, a military uh, power in Chad. In Mali, that's completely different. I think that the problem in that France has completely overlooked uh, governance problems, both in Burkina Faso and uh, in Mali. Uh, in fact, the focus, uh, my colleagues uh, have a stress on uh, only the military uh, approach to uh, the uh, Malian or Burkina B, uh, crisis, uh, has prevented France to look at the big, big problems in terms of, governments, mm. uh, of governance and the way in which uh, elected leaders, uh, uh, Ibeka in uh, Mali or uh, Caboret in, uh, in uh, Burkina Faso, uh, have been greatly rejected by their own public opinion. And in fact, it is the that is the reason why uh, they have been uh, overthrown by a military junta. And their uh, friends, especially in Mali, have been trying uh, to have uh, the uh, Malian uh, military in power to be uh, 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 ousted themselves.
himself uh, and to be uh, replaced by uh, new elected leaders. But it did not happen because it's very difficult mm -hmm. to have such a double standard policies uh, with such a position in Chad and another one uh, in Mali and in a lesser extent in Burkina Faso. Well, let's take a look now, though, at what's next. I know there's a huge amount of uncertainty, as we've all alluded to, uh, but there are, as you said earlier, Jean Hervé, there are a number of soldiers on the ground, something like, what, 14,000 UN peacekeepers still there. We have the G5 forces from Niger, Burkina, Mauritania, Chad. Mali's pulled out, so I'm not convinced of how successful the G5 forces are going forward. I'm curious about your thoughts. But we have heard from Joseph Borrell, the EU foreign policy chief. He says the terror threat is expanding and he's calling for a collective response, which, uh, which all three of you seem to be calling for. So is there, do you think, Jean Hervé, the space for political dialogue here? Is there the political will for peace talks, perhaps? Well, it's, uh, it really depends on... on, on... You know, the different countries. Um, right now, like I said previously, there is a strong continuity in Mali, you know, between the French, from the French to the Russian, in the, in the sense that um, the, the strategy is still uh, heavily military oriented. Um, that's, uh, in a way, that's unfortunate because I think that Mali, two years ago, was among, one of the first countries to publicly say that, you know, uh, uh, the government would be open to uh, exploring. Uh, uh, dialogue as, a, as an option to solve the crisis. We are right now. I don't think that we we're making much progress, you know, to, to this extent in, in Mali at least. Then, if you look at uh, at Niger, for instance, then you have a very different uh, uh, situation. There, uh, the president of Niger, uh, Mohamed Bazoum, has, has publicly said that uh, he has engaged in in talks uh, with some of uh, of the jihadists. Not necessarily the leaders of this movement, but uh, but not uh, rank and file either. Is is looking at intermediary uh, uh, commanders and looking at ways to uh, uh, reintegrate some of uh, these commanders uh, into uh, into Niger. So I think that we have uh, different situations right now in terms of uh, political dialogues, and uh, I'm, I'm I'm a bit pessimistic about uh, about this option in Mali right now, but we have. Uh, it's more advanced probably uh, in Niger. And of course, as this continues, civilians continue to pay the price for the ongoing conflict. Uh, thank you, though, for joining our discussion today. Thank you to all of our guests, Jean-Hervé Jezekel, Niagale Bagayoko, and Chukwemeka Eze. Well, that's it for the Inside Story podcast. This episode was produced by Calvin Ng, Nihad Alabedi, Aiseba Umutlu, and Paul Taylor. Studio sound by Yara Atala, and the program is edited by Yorgos Florakapis, Lin Yuan, and Joe de Vries. Please be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every one of our episodes. Thank you for listening. We'll be back again on Monday. Hello, I'm Charles Dance, your narrator for Hindsight, an original podcast by Al Jazeera. In season four, we meet the spark of the civil rights movement in the United States. Rosa Parks took a stand by sitting down, but that's not all she did. Hindsight from Al Jazeera, wherever you get your podcasts.